All right. How you doing this morning? Now, now listen, I, I want to give a couple disclaimers. Um, as you can tell, I, I talk a little bit different than most of y'all. Um, don't, don't hold that against me, uh, but I, I will say if you... That's a flimsy little thing in it. If I break this, I, I'm, I'm not paying for it. Um, so, so if, uh, here, here's the deal. If I, uh, if I say anything that, that you have to, you know, you wonder what did he just say? Just, just write it down. Um, there, there is a, I think it's George. George is, is George from Wyoming? Is that where George is planting a church in Wyoming? George can interpret me and him. We talk about the same, uh, so, so I feel like that George could probably interpret anything I have to say. Uh, so if you don't understand it, see George after church. George, uh, he's, I think he's got a green shirt on. I locate, yeah, there, yeah. Uh, so if you, if you need to talk to him, he's the one wearing the cowboy hat. Uh, so it, it, stands, it stands to reason that he could probably understand what, what I'm having to say. Uh, but, uh, but it is an honor to be here for real. I, I love every single pastor uh, that is a part of this thing, man, dude, I, I've, I've never been, you know, I'm pretty new to the fellowship. Uh, it's, I've been around for a while, but uh, in terms of being engaged a, a lot more in the last several years, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fairly new, and, and man, these guys have just went above and beyond to, uh, to make me feel welcome, and just to just include me into this thing and, and uh, you know, not, not hold against me. How many of you know sometimes people hold against you what you don't know? And uh, so, so fortunately, this group has not done that, but with open arms have been extremely uh, receptive to me. And, 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 man, I just can't praise the Lord enough for it. I, I can truly say that I found a lot of friends uh, without any, uh, that don't put any stipulations on, on our friendship. And I praise the Lord for that. Um, go ahead, uh, John chapter number six, John chapter number six, um, we're, we're going to be there this morning, um, we're going to be in, uh, verse 66, John six and in verse 66, I guess that's almost good luck or something this morning, I believe it's in your outline, but we'll start there in verse 60, uh, in John 6, in verse 66. <clears throat> From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Will ye also go away? So, so Simon Peter, you know, big mouth. He answers first, Lord, to whom shall we go? Now, now we'll get where we're going here in a little while, but we, we got to remember, uh, if, if you know much about the Bible, the very first one that looked around and said, hey, boys, I'm going fishing. He says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's ask the Lord to bless this morning. Father, we, we're grateful. 
God, we're grateful. We're eternally grateful, uh, Lord, for what you've done in us. Uh, Lord, thank you for saving me and, and God birthing me in the family of God and then, and then doing the same with, with these people in this room, my friends. Uh, Lord, thank you for knitting our hearts together and, uh, and giving me a, a, a friendship and a fellowship to hang with and, and to be encouraged by and to be convicted by and to be pushed by. God, I thank you for this place. I thank you for what they stand for. I thank you for what they mean. I pray, God, that you bless this morning. Uh, God, I, I pray if there is somebody in here, uh, Lord, that falls within one of these categories uh, that we're going to look at of people this morning. God, I, I know uh, because I've sat in a church pew at times in my life, and, and, it, and you, you don't have to leave the church to go away. Lord, you, you, you know my heart, and you know the heart of many. Lord, we can sit in church pews and, and, still, and still go away. And so, God, if there is somebody in this room, Lord, that has, that has mentally and spiritually and emotionally checked out, but physically they're still punching the time clock, God, I pray, I pray this morning, God, that you convict our hearts. Lord, you move us to a place of repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Not many harder questions to be asked to a disciple of Jesus Christ than this one. In my opinion, I would say that it needs to be asked. Why? Well, because we're in Laodicea. It needs to be asked because we're in Laodicea in that time period that is identified by rich and increased with goods and absolutely they have need of nothing. So the question must be asked, will you also go away? Pastor Dan, man, he, he, he said it last night that it wasn't the world that was turning away from the truth and turning their ears unto fables and turning their ears unto these teachers. It was the church. It wasn't the world that this was happening to. So the question in John chapter number 6 is not directed at those without. It is a question that is reserved for those within. This is the question that's reserved for those that are seemingly close to Christ right now at this point in their life. Man, how tragic are these words? How hard must the saying have been to hear if you were John and you're standing there, there, there that day knowing that you have given your life, that you have walked with Jesus for this long, will you also go away? As the dog returns to his vomit, shall we also return to our folly? Shall we also go back to our former life? Because, friend, I want you to listen. Better than you and me have went away. Better than you and me have went away that were right in their own eyes. Can you imagine that day for the 12? I, I think of the 12 like this, the cream of the crop. I, I mean, turn the world upside down. The, the top tier of the disciples and as he stares a giant hole through them he asks them this most convicting question that he could ever ask them so he's watching and, and, and as he sees hundreds leaving and hundreds are leaving many of his disciples are leaving and the scene is set to the place of as they're leaving and this one's leaving and that one's leaving it's almost like he turns to the twelve and he says I, so I guess y'all are next. So it begs the question, 
Who's next in here? Who's next in here to leave? When we're looking around and everybody is falling out and they're dropping like flies, man, they're, they're, they're here for a little while and they're gone. They're here for a little while and they're on fire for a little while and they're great for a little while and then they're gone. And then they're gone and they're nowhere to be found. It's baffling to me that it's those the closest, the closest to Christ are the ones that he asked the question to on a personal basis. So it tells me something about Jesus. And I, I want you to hear this. He's not changing his standard for anyone. Jesus doesn't change the standard for anyone. Now get it. Actually, it gets a little narrower the closer you are to him. He's not handing out passes. He's not saying, all right, guys, I, I guess you got a good reason to leave. Everybody else is leaving. Your friends are leaving. Your family's leaving. They're all, hey, they're all deciding to go away. That's right in their own eyes. They're all, they can't understand the saying. They don't, they don't want to hear it. They're offended. So here's what. Guys, I, it'll be okay. You can go. No, he doesn't do that. No, he, he sets the standard. And if the 12 would have left, it would have remained the same. But I think, I think while the question in John 6 is directed at the 12, I believe that there's some people that Jesus in this whole thing can give us some insight on some other, other groups of people as well. And if you allow me to this morning, and, and I, I, want to, I want to give you some biblical reasons why I think people turn back and follow him no more from John chapter number 6. Some reasons that I think that people turn back and they follow him no more. And I, 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 they're, 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 there's three of them. Uh, we'll, we'll hit them rather quick and, and, and I think we're going to get to eat again. <laughs> I'm, I'm still the same kindergartner I was all them years. Nap time and, and lunch time is still my two favorite things of the day. Number one, I want you to look, some people strictly follow Jesus based on what he's done for someone else. Some people strictly follow Jesus based on what he's done for someone else. Look in verse number one, John 6 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him. Now, now look why they followed him, because they saw the miracles which he did on them that were diseased. Because they saw the miracles which he did on them that are diseased. So there's people that are following Jesus. There's some people that are following Jesus right now in, in John chapter number 6 because of the miracles which he did on them that were diseased. Now, now understand this. Some people are going to be here because of the radical chain, change that they've seen in someone else's life or maybe your life. But maybe they're still here. Maybe they're here and they're still void. They're still void of what God can do in their life. They still have yet to see God work in their life like they've worked in your life. But hey, it was cool enough for them to follow, for them to come alongside you because God did it in your life. 
Or God did it in so-and-so's life. Or God did it in your pastor's life. Or God did it in your, your small group leader's life. Whatever the case may be. You see, like those in the story, some people follow the crowd that is following Jesus. There are going to be people that are going to follow the crowd that's following Jesus. Now get this, based off of their disease being healed. So their disease, their disease was healed. Listen, they're following the crowd that is following Jesus that had their disease healed. Could be because some people just don't see that they actually have a disease. It could be, it could be that it's easier to follow the crowd than to admit that they may have a disease that needs to be healed. Oh, it's easier to go with the flow. It's easier to hang with my friends. It's easier to come to church because they've got a lot of cool things going on here. Y'all are a lot cooler than we are in Georgia. Y'all sing cooler songs. You've got cooler instruments. You've got way better singers. I mean, you know, they don't call it the home of Southern gospel for no reason where I come from. You know, we, we got cool little quartets and stuff like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me reel her back in. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's a real thing that some people follow the crowd that's following Jesus. Because they, they haven't actually came to a place where they dealt with their own disease. Well, what's the disease? Well, Romans 5, 12 says this, As by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned, so that all of us have sinned, that all of us are diseased by this sin, but we won't own it. See, I, people, I see people that, that in, in my own church that, that, that seem to have a desire to be as free as their brothers and sisters are that really have been freed but aren't willing to deal with the fact that they have a disease. I mean, they hear me, and look, I mean, I'm, I'm extremely transparent to a fault. Like, like I, I'm, to, I'm to a fault transparent at times, and I know it, and, uh, but... but some things are, are some things I just feel like that there are people that need to hear the transparency. Some people hear my story and they're like, man, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, look, the story is not so much as the Savior. That's what you got to remember. I got, yeah, it's a cool story and all, but it's just a story. You've got to meet Jesus, and then you get your own story. You get your own testimony. You get to see God do things in your own life, but rather they stand in pride than to admit that, they're disease, that a disease might be keeping them from being free. There's a threefold progression that I have found in most of these people. <laughs> Number one, they become resentful that they can't get what they want. They sit in church and they strive within themselves and within themselves because they cannot get what they want and they end up being resentful of other people that have got a hold of that. They become restless that God will ever do, that God can ever get them what they want. 
Eventually, they become rigid, they become cold, and they become hard-hearted. And eventually, you look around one day and you can't find them where you used to be able to find them. Well, why? Because they couldn't own the fact that they might have a problem that the Savior could actually fix. You see, if you look really hard, you can, you can see you can see what's missing in these people. You can see what's missing in, in most of these people, in most of the pews across the country. If you look really hard, well, what is that thing missing? Well, it's worship. It's worship. If there's anything that, that we so need, in, and I'm not just talking about here, I'm talking about all across America, is a real revival of honest, genuine worship to a holy God. Why? Because there's no personal worship within themselves. Because here it is, they haven't seen him to be worthy. They don't worship because they don't see he's worth worshiping. Friend, those tears in people's eyes and the hands that are raised and the praise that is given and the thankfulness of the hearts, it only comes at the expense of seeing that He is worthy and we are not, that He is good and we are not, that He's worthy to be praised. You know, I found out the ones that, the, 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 you know, we... we You know, we got like different veins of churches and some are a little higher kind of class churches. <laughs> I know it sounds so stupid when you say it. <laughs> it just sounds so dumb. But they look down on other people. They'll use an altar in the middle of a song come to an altar in the middle of a song and they get up and they're literally wiping their face. Or they sit in the church pew and, and their hands are in the air and, and, and literally tears running down their face. And man, they must be going through something. Or, or, or it could be, I know this natural phenomenon that takes place every now and then, genuine worship. They look in the mirror of God's word and they see that in their flesh dwells no good thing and that at their very core they are nothing but sinful, but God has redeemed them out of the hand of the enemy and that's what drives their heart to be where it is. You see, I think this group has no personal worship because they didn't see him as worthy. And it's all based on seeing what God has done in others. It's all superficial and it's all surface level. It's all religion. It's all religion. It's all vain religion. That it has no power to change. That it has no power to work. That it has no power to move. Nothing from the heart of those following Jesus. Can I say this morning that there is no worse feeling in the world than watching from the sidelines of a church while you hope you can get what so-and-so has? Man, I, I got five kids. I, I, I oh, totally messed up that introduction thing. 
I pastor a church in Dallas, Georgia, and, and I've got five kids, uh, three girls. Two of them will be 17 in November. One of them will turn uh, 14. 14. It's called recovery. Uh, on July 31st, and I myself struggled. The two boys, they're, they're little, uh, we, they're like um, feral. <laughs> one, one, of them, one of them hates church. Uh, well, anything over 30 minutes he hates. Uh, and he's just, and he don't make no bones about it. Uh, we're, we're, we're probably terrible parents, but we're just like, yeah, well, okay, okay, maybe one of these days. Uh, when he gets saved, it's going to be real, though. I mean... Like, like I'm, I'm hoping he has a Damascus Road deal at eight years old, nine year, uh, ten, uh, ten, eleven years old. Uh, you know, I hope God knocks him off his high horse pretty soon. Uh, but I, I've got these three older girls, and you know, I struggle so, so bad with making sure they know. And I mean, I say it over and over and over and over that you cannot ride Daddy's coattails. Man, you cannot ride. You can't ride on my testimony. You can't praise God on my testimony. You have got to get it for yourself. You've got to get in his word for yourself. You've got to learn to love Jesus Christ, not for what he done for daddy and mom. And he done a lot for daddy and mom, man. Man, he healed our marriage. He, I mean, we were on the verge of divorce. I was a drunk. I, I mean, just the list goes on. We were both lost, 24 years old, both lost. And God did a work in our lives and changed our lives. But you... They can't ride off of that. And, and I wonder if part of the reason that our kids get 18 and 19 and 20 years old and decide that I'm never going back to church is because they've been watching from the sidelines something that their mom and dad got in on, but they never got in on it for themselves. So I struggle. And you got to have your own personal time with the Lord. You got to have your own relationship with Jesus Christ. I, you, you, I can't hold your hand at the judgment seat. I can't hold your hand in, 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 in worship. And I say all the time, man, you got the same access to God that I have. You've got the same access to God that I have. And so I'd ask you the question do you desire a change in your life? That, 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 you've, that you've seen something happen in someone else's life, but has it necessarily happened in yours? Facts are that outside of, of the logistical reasons, there are going to be some people that are not going to be at all church retreat next year if they don't get on this point right here and figure out within their own spirit what's actually true and what ain't. Because religion only carries you so far. It'll carry, it'll carry you a lot of places, but religion will only carry you so far. For most of us, it'll never carry us through tribulation. It'll, ne it'll never carry us past the funeral home. It'll never carry us past the graveyard. It'll, ne it'll never carry us past cancer, past heart attacks, past tribulations, past divorce. It'll never carry us past those things. 
Because religion can't do it. Number two. Number two, some people strictly follow Jesus based on his compensation in their life. Based on his compensation in their life. Jesus, he he answered them in verse 26, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek seek me not because of the miracles. So we got a completely different group. Not because of the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. You, you, you're, not, you're not seeking me because of the miracles. No, you're seeking me because the loaves and were filled. Now, now, verse 27, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. You see, more often than not, I, I see people label themselves Christians. But if you took away the joys, if you took away the pleasures, if you took away the contentment uh, in their life, if you took all the the things that bring them contentment, the, the money that brings them contentment, they in fact would not be a part of the glorious band of brothers we call Christians. Why? Because we love food. And we love the things he can give. More than we love the medicine. That will heal our souls. Man, it's easy to serve Jesus when it's all going good. Like bank accounts full. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Man, all your friends are loving Jesus. Nobody's really against you at this point in time. You go through them seasons where everybody kind of loves you, and then you go through them seasons to where it seems like, you know, you want to crawl in a hole and die because everybody hates you. You're like, you're the, you're the bad news bear. You know, you're running around, and you're having to tell everybody this, and you're having to tell everybody that, and you're like, man, I, 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 I didn't know this was going to be such an unpopular place. And what happens, what happens is when Jesus is giving out things, everybody is all lovey-dovey and head over heels in love with Jesus. But then when he starts calling them to something greater, it seems like that people flake out left and right. Romans Romans 16, it's not in your notes, but Romans 16 verse 18, if you want to write it down. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and, and by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Here, here's what I know. Jesus is good for life. In the South, we have what you call good old boy religion. Y'all may have that here. Uh, but, but in the South, you have good old boy religion. It's kind of, you know, uh, all the same family goes to the same churches and and you go on Sundays, and then when Sundays is over, you go home, and you have this big Sunday dinner and all, all this stuff, and, you know, it's whatever. But, 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 but what, we, what we've come to find is that Jesus is good for life, and he's, he's good because he'll help you hold down a job. Like, the, the moral aspect of Jesus Christ is just a good way to live. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, if we're just going to take the moral aspects of Jesus Christ, that's a pretty good way to live. It'll help you keep a job. It'll keep you from being a drunk. It'll keep you from being a, a dope addict. It'll keep you from being a whoremonger. It, I mean, it's really good. 
Like, it, it's going to teach you to love people. It's going to teach you, I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a pretty good deal. But it seems like when it really starts changing people, when Jesus Christ really starts changing people, it all gets weird. And, and, and like at that point in time, everybody around you starts wondering, what, what's going on? What's wrong with you? I, I can remember my brother-in-law had gotten saved. And um, my wife's brother, he's one of the first ones to get saved in our family. And he's a real rough dude. He, he would ne- nobody would have ever expected this. And uh, he, he goes and, and he gets saved on a Sunday morning. It wasn't long after that, his wife got saved. And so they, they start getting really involved in church. We had Sunday, uh, Sunday night dinners at, at, my, at, at my mother-in-law's house. And so I, it, when am I supposed to stop? Oh, uh, so I have a bad problem with that. Uh, so, so we have these Sunday night dinners, and, and everything's great. Man, we're, we're rocking along. Do get saved. Now, that freaks me out a little bit. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I, for the first time when I heard he got saved, I, I kind of took my breath a little bit. I'm like, well, what does this mean? So, so that was the first time, really, that conviction had set in on me, uh, that, that, that things were fixing, business was fixing to pick up. And um, so, so they, they get involved. Most of y'all probably heard of Iwana, right? Okay, so they, so they start getting involved in church. Really weird thing. They go Sunday morning. They started going Sunday night. They was going Wednesday night, and, and, which, you know, tripped everybody out. We were like, man, dude, bunch of holy rollers. <laughs> so they're going to church, and, and well, now they, they, they started, like, after six months, Somebody asked him to be a helper in Awana, and it spun the whole crowd out because now we have had to cancel Sunday night dinners. Everybody's mad. Man, her, my wife's mom, she was so mad. She was spitting nails. I was mad. I was like, what is going on with these Jesus freaks? They think they get saved, and all of a sudden they're just going to cancel family dinners on Sunday night? I, I was lost. Calm down. <laughs> so, so we're rocking on, and, and, and everything's, you know, Jordan, my wife, at this time, she, I mean, yeah, I mean, she was really lost. And, <laughs> she's still a gangster at heart, but she was, she was really lost. And, and, and so I'm, I, you know, I'm like, well, it's, it's going to be okay. I mean, you know, whatever. So we moved, I think, Tuesday night. I think we went to Tuesday night because it didn't interfere Wednesday night. They just got real stern on everything. And they were like, yeah, we're going to church. We're, we're serving the Lord. Uh, we love Jesus. And we're like, well, guess what we would say? Well, we do too. Are you saying we don't love Jesus? Are, are you saying... Would you have the audacity to say that we don't love Jesus? Without saying it, they were saying that we didn't love Jesus, and you know what? We didn't love Jesus. Why? Well, well, because number one, we didn't know Jesus, and number two, 
You know what? Jesus started calling them to something that we, wasn't worth, that we wasn't ready to give up. Everything was fine when it benefited us for them to follow Jesus because now he's not smoking reefer no more. That's pot nowadays. He, he's, he's not drinking Budweiser's no more. They're not, I mean, their life is changing, and we love that. How many of you know it's a good thing when people start changing for the better and they're no longer morally corrupt? That's a good thing. But when he starts calling you to something that is going to cost you something, it upsets the apple cart in everybody's life. And here's what happened. It got weird. Everybody's tiptoeing around them, and you know, I love Jesus. I, I, I would say, I, well, I love Jesus. Well, maybe they love Jesus more than me. Yeah, they actually, they actually did. Weird thing, huh? There's actually people that love Jesus more than you do. Who are those people? Those are the people that ain't in it for the things Jesus is handing out. You see, this, this, what happened, people were influenced by his prophet, not his person. People were influenced by his prophet, what he could do for them, not who he was. People, pe people are, are, are influenced by the luxury of heaven, but not the life of Jesus Christ. But we're all good as long as we're punching our, our ticket to heaven, but not actually living out the life of Jesus Christ. And they, they, they were in it for the riches he gave, not the rights he deserved. Believe it or not, Jesus deserves rights to your life. Jesus deserves rights to your life. And guess what will happen? He'll give you the desires of your heart when you get them, when he gets them. Philippians 3 and verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things and number three some people strictly follow jesus based on religious attachments based on religious attachments look, look what the bible says verse 48 i am the bread of life your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and and lo and behold and and and, and are dead he, he starts attacking some stuff he says this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say, unto, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at that last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood and dwell, uh, dwelleth in me and I in him. Now notice what's happening. He, he, he starts attacking your father's. He starts attacking the, 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 the Jews. He attacks their Jewish religion at this point because they're clinging on 
to what happened in the wilderness when God fed Moses manna. He says, he eat the manna, yet he died. I'm telling you, I'm the bread that cometh down from heaven, and when you eat this manna, when you eat this bread, you shall live forever. You can receive this bread and you can live forever. And, and here's what happens. He starts attacking their, their religious attachment. Ain't it crazy that the moment you start attacking somebody's religious attachments, man, it's... And look, and you don't mean to, it ain't an offense. It ain't to be offensive on purpose. It's not, it's, you know, it's not that you're trying to offend everybody with the Bible, but when you start preaching it straight, when you start saying it straight, when you start saying what God said, people quit following Jesus when the Bible challenges their religious affiliations with no real confirmation. That's what happened to me. Dude confronted me with a book every week for, for, for six or eight weeks. I sat in a little church uh, in, in Dallas, and he confronted me with, with verse after verse after verse that would challenge what I had, the good old boy religion that I had gotten a hold of, the, my, you know, my family's religion that I had gotten a hold of. It challenged me to the point of, you know what, I got to make a decision. And that Wednesday night that I did, I mean, probably some of you like me, I, I, I mean, I don't really remember a whole lot, but, but floating to wherever I was that I called on the name of Jesus Christ, to forgive me and to be my Savior. Here's what, here's, here's what I knew. Here's what I know. Seems like people quit, quit when you start mentioning things that don't line up with their doctrinal beliefs at this point in time in their life. And here's, here's what takes place. Instead of taking the next step, they quit. Instead of... Instead, uh, 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 of, of taking D1, instead of taking D2, instead of enrolling in LFBI and learning what they don't know. And listen, I will say this. I wasn't raised around this kind of atmosphere in terms of Bible study. I, it's just been the last several years that I've understood the keys to Bible study. And, 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 and fortunately for me, God let me walk into this atmosphere. But, but I will say, I have had to do more deprogramming than I have anything. I've had to unlearn more than I have learned. Why is that? Because my hard drive had already downloaded a set of her, uh, her, 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 hermeneutic, as Dan said last night, that was going to start, uh, that was going to start uh, understanding the Bible that the hermeneutic was jacked. I, I couldn't understand the Bible like so-and-so understood the Bible because I, I, I mean, this sounds real dumb, but I didn't understand this whole comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And, and you, you start comparing uh, Scripture with Scripture, and you're like, oh, oh that, that's what it says. Who knew? And so, you're, so, so, so you start deprogramming. 
You start, you start deprogramming and, and you start taking off and erasing files and erasing the memory bank. Why? So that God can establish in your heart something that's real that can take you a lot further. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to quit. You're going to go back. Because you're not going to have the answers that you long for. You're going to sit in another all-church retreat. You're going to sit in another church service. You're going to sit in another church service and another church service. And you're going to look around and you're still not going to have the answers that you want because you won't deprogram and let all the religious attachments that you formerly had be former. So how do I not go back? You told me how I'm going to go, who all is going to go back? Listen, those are just warning signs, really. And you need to take, you you just probably need to take them and stuff them in your pocket for a later date, maybe because you're at All Church Street and everything's good here. And you're like, dude, I don't even know why you preach this. Well, it was to the 12, so I I figured you, you had to be, you had to at least have some love for Jesus to be here today. And if it can happen to the 12, if the question can come to the 12, then it ought to be able to come to me, right? It ought to be able to hit my front door. And I ought to be able to answer it. So how do you not go back? Simon Peter said this. Then uh, then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, these are not on your notes. If you want to write them down, they're real simple, though. Uh, Number one, determine why you're here. Determine why you're here. Today, determine why you're here. Number two, determine who are you going to go back to? Who are you going to go back to? Remember, Paul said, Paul said, who did hinder you, not what? It's always a who that we're going to go back to. Determine who you're going to go back to. And then number three, decide where are you going to get eternal words if you do go back? If you go back, where are you going to get eternal words from? You say, I'm done. I'm not doing this no more. I'm going back. Where are you going to get those eternal words from? Who's going to give them to you? Because that's really what we're looking at. We're looking at who's going to leave this book. Better yet, who sits in a church pew and has already left this book. Because most of the people that are going to go, they're going to go. But if you're in here and you're, you're, you're in a church pew and in your heart, man, you, you hear those three things and maybe one or two or three of them ring loud and clear in your heart. Before you jump ship, before you say, I'm going fishing, before you say this ain't for me, before you say, man, I, I just thought it'd be better. I just thought I'd get more. Friend, decide now, who are you going to go to for eternal words? Where are you going to go to where they're giving them out like this place is giving them out? Where are you going to go where they'll give you your Bible? 
And they're not trying to take it out of your hands. They're trying to give it to you for yourself to take to other parts of the world. Where are you going to go that's going to do that? Where else are you going to go? Are you going to go down the road to where the Greek and Hebrew professors are spitting out things that you don't understand? Where you can laud over all their intellect? Are you going to go where, someone, where, where they give you a Bible in your language that you can understand and show you how to rightly divide it? To where God can feed your soul and you're not dependent on me and you're not dependent on Sam. You're not dependent on the pastors in here. But God is giving you something that you can do something with. Where are you going to go? Some of us are going to go. But I'm begging you. I am begging you with all my heart. I don't know if there's somebody that wants to play or whatever. I don't know how you do that around here. I got a little, I, I got a dude, he just, he's just there. I'll turn around and he's there. This week finished. I think it's important that we make a decision. Today. First day, first morning. Uh, we had last night, first morning. You got the rest of the morning sessions. You got the rest of the, you got the, rest of the night sessions. How about you make a decision this morning? I'm not going back. You're in here and, 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 and you're, like that first, you're like that first one. You're still diseased. And you're on the outside looking in. I know we, we've, we've had an altar call and there's somebody in here lost. You've never been born again. James, James the Coker has done that already. And praise God for it. But maybe you have snuck in and you have not yet came to saving faith because you won't own the disease flows within the veins of your very body. Sin has, has, has ridden your body, has overrode your body with this disease. And in, in, in your sin, you're going to die unless you come to the healer for yourself. Not my brother, not my sister. But Lord, it's me. Not, not so-and-so. Not, I, I, look, I know so, somebody needs to be saved. Not so-and-so. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you. We're talking about you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? This is a personal thing. And you've got to be personal about it. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to go back. As that old dog returns to lick up his vomit, you're going to go back to your folly. And I desperately don't want you to. I desperately don't want you to. Jesus Christ doesn't need any more black eyes from the church. We've given him enough. 
Let's do this. Every head bowed. Maybe you're in here and, and you say, you say, Pastor, I, I want you to pray for me. I, Brother James, he already asked this question, but it bears repeating again. Would, 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 would you say, Pastor, I'd like for you to pray for me. I don't want you to come to me. I, I don't want to. I'm not coming that way right now. I, I, I may, but I don't want to be pressured into doing that. But I want you to pray for me. If I die right now, I have no peace in my heart about my own personal salvation. I have no peace and no assurance. Would you just slide your hand up just long enough for me to see it? Just slide it up, all right? See that one, that one, that one? Yeah, I see them. You say, I have no personal assurance. All right? All right, you can put them down. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe there's some Christians in here that are on the verge of going back. Can, friend, can, can I ask you this morning? There's lost people in this room that need you to stay the course, that need you to finish and finish well, that need you on this thing and in this thing. You got friends in this room, and if you go, guess what? They're going with you. Peter didn't go along. Peter took people with him. And you got to decide this morning that he's worthy. You're in here and you're lost. I want to pray for you. I'm going to turn it back over to James. You need to come. You, you come. There, there'll, be, there'll be people. You, you, you don't have to come. But if you, if you want to come this morning, I'm not going to put any undue pressure on you. But if you want to come, there's... Many hands went up in this room. There's some in this room that are saved, and you're on the line. I'm begging you this morning, make that decision. Father, Lord, we, we're grateful. God, we're grateful for the Spirit of God that lives in the heart of man, that convicts and reproves. Uh, God, I, I pray, Lord, I thank you for the comforter. But I, I pray right now, God, for the ones in the room that are lost, God, my heart's desire is, God, that you let them lay their pride down long enough to see how sinful they really are and how diseased they really are. God, for the ones in here that are saved, Lord, but they're, they're pushing. They're pushing on the edge. They're, they're doing things that they wouldn't have done a year ago. God, I, I'm begging you, Lord. Reel them back in this week. Bring them back. Lord, we love you. And we're grateful for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen.